0: check is it recording
1: oh yes my friend yes this is help is not on the way with mark dustin kevin ballman
0: here we are again yes it's been a little while but um it's always been a little while i think always uh, you know um soon we'll be full-time yeah maybe next week yeah once we move into like you know
1: cardboard boxes on the side of the road we'll be able to do this that's right full-time you have know, ab- to abandon
0: our families. Yeah, I mean I think that's the way uh you know artistic genius works. All the bigs do that. That's yeah, how they start. we are right.
1: showering at truck stops, abandon your children. Absolutely. Find uh
0: makes for a good story later on. Well, and it's after also your child gets through their therapy.
1: Yeah, it's also our artistic commitment. Right. You can't just do this thing like one foot in, one foot out. No, it's got to go in, all in.
0: All in. And I've I've um I've been going back and forth on several different topics here and I mm. finally settled on one yeah that we've talked about a little bit before at least in like kind of you know mentioned in conversation and it is the great molasses flood of 1919 I like it already it's also known um, 1919 1919 yeah I mean that when you think about it really the poor people who went through this had just you know they're just coming out of World War one yeah the, the Spanish flu. Oh, the, gosh, yes. You know, the previous flu pandemic. I wouldn't know the, what that was like, though. Yeah. I'm not really connected to the whole right, no. pandemic-y. I think they had to wear some masks, maybe kind yeah. of socially distance. No, there's the big question,
1: Kevin. Did they actually have to wear them? That's the question. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yes, That's, people, uh, they did. That's uh, the answer. And and they had the same resistance to it. And they, they had the nothing. same resistance right. to it. Uh, this the The Great Molasses Flood of 1919 is also known as the Boston Ma- molasses disaster the Boston Molassiker. Molassiker. yeah that's a good one right where they were coming up with those names even back then right and the great boston molasses flood and this is the kind of thing when you when you hear about it it that it's like it's not very right. it's like for a good chuckle right holy crap a molasses yeah. flood yeah.
1: it's like a blurb you get like you know right. like whatever 40 words and you kind of
0: get enough and you're like oh, yeah, that was cute yeah but when you read about it, yeah. it's the it is uh it was a total disaster. I mean, it was, um, it was pretty big, and um, I'm sure it was super traumatic. It, and just quickly, it's a molasses disaster. Like right.
1: this isn't, you know, sort of something that was named after something else. And it's not what we we're gonna get into, and it's gonna have been something. to no, it wasn't actually. They called it molasses, but it was actually toxic sludge. That
0: it was it was totally a flood of molasses. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, in in kind of to start, so this is January fifteenth, nineteen nineteen, around twelve thirty p.m. Freezing cold. Now, I'm gonna kind of start with describing setting up, you know, the situation here. So, um, there was a company called purity distilling company and they had a tank in which they stored molasses mm. for various commercial uses like alcohol production sure or um it was also apparently used for um military munitions really molasses yeah, i guess when they distilled it down to alcohol oh okay so i'm not exactly sure what they used it for but. like napalm like it sticks to you yeah or You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, um, I guess alcohol, you know, really, really, uh, um, like pure. Yeah. Like denatured kind of stuff. It maybe has some other kind of commercial purpose, industrial purpose, but the tank itself is 50 feet tall and 90 feet in diameter. Okay. 50. That's big. Yeah. That's really, really big. Holds about 2.3 million gallons of molasses or it was uh, somewhere between 12 and 14,000 tons. And this had been like a wooden tank probably. It's a then. metal tank. Metal. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, and so, you know, this had been built kind of in a rushed manner. Yeah. Maybe not the greatest quality control, um, but there was a, de- a demand with the war and with, you know, just the consumption of alcohol, you know, mm-hmm. going on with with all of the things happening at that t- period of time. Um. It resulted in some structural flaws. And there was um, at least one employee who warned that it was structurally unsound. Really? Yes.
1: The whistleblower guy.
0: It's an elevated tank, too. So it's, you know, it's... So it's... Yeah, it's up.
1: So it's, it's, it's that big. It's got that much molasses. It's 1917, and no disrespect to people who clearly knew how to put something up high, but they... Maybe didn't. So, I mean, this is elevated.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how how high it's elevated. Well, even if it's five feet off the ground, If if one corner collapses... It's even a if problem. It's, even if it's on the ground and it's 50 feet tall and it collapses. And it <laughs> collapses, you've got a problem, right? Let's not add to the possible problems by also building it on a platform. And so I haven't seen a picture of the tank intact because apparently nobody really cares. Thought so to? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not truly elevated. Maybe maybe it's just my my reading of it is just the height of it.
1: It probably is, though. because and But thinking about the fact that it's funny you can't find a picture of it before because today— you can't not find a picture of something right you get like 36 angles someone was having like you know a bar mitzvah and they had it in the background and you could just get a million of them from different angles
0: you can find pictures of the aftermath i bet but not the before now um well, and, and i would think you know like most tanks it seems like they elevate them usually right because you want to be able to get the stuff out and gravity is the way that it yeah. comes out you have to, yeah, you have to so. put energy in to get it in but then it, you don't need energy. Yeah, to because get it
1: especially out. if you're going, you know, if you're talking about like a sort of a, a like a grain silo, it may not be elevated. But then you're kind of getting in there with a shovel and get, But with molasses, you're gonna need it to drip from the lowest possible.
0: And, and I think in a grain silo, actually, well, I think the ones on the farms were not, but the ones for trains were. Right?
1: Yeah, because the train were. had
0: to go underneath, and you just yeah. dumped it in. It's true. But so this um, and you're using t-
1: gravity to the maximum, and that's yeah, they'd be elevated. absolutely It'd be Yeah,
0: they they would bring the molasses you know in on ships. Uh-huh. And then load it up. Uh, the The apparently the tank had never been completely full. Okay. So nobody, nobody really um, had tested it. You know, at, yeah, at its full at its capacity. Intended maximum capacity. And right. so the the but the tank groaned and leaked molasses on the street uh, all the time. Really. And people just kind of got used to it. So
1: where? This is obviously in Boston and today when you say you're in a city it could be anywhere outside the city wherever but this is probably actually
0: in yeah. Boston. 529 Commercial Street near Keeney Square. Oh, I'm mean, at Central Boston. Um and they would they were, you know, using it to to create alcohol. Um and then then they were um offloading the molasses or they were offloading it for, from ships and then storing it for later transfer by pipeline to the Purity Ethanol plant situated at Willow Street and Evertees Way in Cambridge.
1: And so, this is a time period where, in most industrialized cities and certainly in America, people were really living right up against industry, right? Mm. You didn't have these zoning. Now, if you go to downtown Boston, it's either financial buildings or you know, or apartment right. buildings is not, you're not going to have a factory in the middle of I don't think town.
0: there was a lot in the way of zoning back then. Yeah, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, really. it was just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. And, so, yeah. And, and in fact, if you read some of the stories, and, you know, um, there's some good ones on history.com, Wikipedia, some mm-hmm. good ones. Um, you can read about some of the things, like some of the people who were in this.
1: Mm.
0: what they were doing there's like a fire station there's some houses people sleeping like a guy who you know works at a bar he's sleeping in Mm. uh, after a late shift um so yeah this stuff was all mixed together wow and um uh so you know the day before they got a fresh load of warm molasses which apparently they warm it to reduce the viscosity so to make it easier to like you know, probably pump into this transfer tank or something tank or transfer, tank, right. Sure, yeah, yeah, Especially
1: um, as they say, it was it was January in Boston, so it's probably pretty cool. And and the
0: temperatures be... dropped overnight, so they put this warm molasses in, the temperature dropped, and then it actually warmed up to uh, higher than normal into the 40s the next day. Oh, okay. So um, some theorize, theorize that there was a thermal expansion that caused the tank to rupture. Oh, um, Sure. Now they don't. They don't really know. Yeah, does you know, molasses
1: I, expand like water when it freezes, or?
0: Yeah, I, I, it would. It would expand for for sure. And but I don't. I don't know how, how much you know, yeah. and like at what temperature. But molasses is forty percent more dense than water, so it's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that, how that affects its you know thermal expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, witnesses though at at around twelve thirty twelve thirty i've I've read twelve thirty and twelve forty but witnesses uh report that they f- they felt the ground shake whoa uh they heard a roar as it collapsed in a, a long rumble similar to a train yeah uh others reported a tremendous crashing a deep growling a th- quote thunder like thunderclap like bang mm-hmm uh, and a sound like a machine gun as the rivets shot out of the tank. Oh my gosh! And at that moment, people—it it happened so quickly. People didn't have time to react. Plus, they didn't know what the heck they just heard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what do you be do? Trains and, and if you run out the door of your house. To. You're still right in, in in harm's way. Sure. So uh, up to at its peak, a twenty foot five tall foot wave. Oh. Moving 35 miles per hour of molasses swept through town. That's incredible. Some places they claimed uh, it flooded two to three feet deep with molasses. And molasses is, you know, it's it's, it's thick, heavy stuff. Yeah. Even
1: it, even and if it's warmed, then it's well, it's nice and warm, right. but it's also thick, heavy stuff that's now gooey and right. sticky because it's like raw sugar refined to a and dark.
0: If, if I recall, I mean, like the, the, you know, molasses, I think, is heavier than, say, honey or syrup, which seems bad enough. Yeah. Um, there was, there were reports. So um, the Boston Post reported molasses waist deep covered the street, street and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled a form. Whether it was animal or human being was impossible to tell. (laughs) Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. That's pretty dramatic, uh, right?
1: Yeah, because I mean, you're you're walking. What time of day was it?
0: Twelve thirty. So it's like right after lunch. Right after lunch, yeah. people are all about out and about. It
1: wasn't mid, you know middle of the night, which right. probably would have saved a lot of lives. It just all of a sudden you're walking down the street, and a thirty-five mile an hour flood of molasses comes at you, knocks you down, you know, sweeps you away. We all know, even with, um, it. I mean it. I mean, I imagine it must have been really fast moving. It must have been warm because it it I'm I've, I've seeing the photos. I'm actually looking at the photos um, online, and it really
0: spread out. It it looks like I heard it's a half mile swath, and it must have been pretty
1: warm, and it must have really just 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 spread everywhere and it, rushed through people's legs and knocked
0: them over, and it's heavy. And speaking so. of those pictures, when if people look at it, I mean, it looks like a place that was bombed. I mean, it's just destroyed. Like a tornado could have it, ripped through there. It or, does. It,
1: it does look like something that was just completely decimated, something that was that a bomb hit, some massive explosion happened and took out buildings and, and everything
0: around it. Here was more from the Boston Post. A half mile swath of crushed buildings, crumpled bodies and waist deep muck oh. here and there struggle to form. Whether um, whether it was this is uh, it sounds like it's this is a similar writer, but whether it was an animal or human being was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. It's like horrifying. It's it's like so
1: so it's like it's like some sort of you know sort of like wrath of God kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like the kind of thing that would be made of nightmares.
0: Yeah, I mean, apparently when the tank ruptured, the the so it sounds like the tank was constructed of. Sheets of metal riveted together, mm-hmm. and when the sheets of metal came apart, they were pushed by the molasses, and they they also knocked out the supports for the elevated train. Oh so my So parts of the elevated train came down, collapsed. Yeah, um, twenty one people were That's, killed. So now, keeping in mind that the force
1: that is being you know sort right. of propelled to actually hit the steel up. Upright girders of an elevator to hold up an yeah, elevated train. Because it wasn't
0: wood so that was supporting really, the train. It I, was
1: I think that no matter how it's extremely hard for me. You've told me about this story before, and you've never told me this thing. And I'm like, that's kind of quaint, and that'll be cute. Right. What a funny little aside, and it must have a really fun story around it. But it sounds it sounds just terrifying.
0: Yeah, I, I think that when you first mention it, it's kind of like, ha-ha, the great molasses flood. And it is. I mean, it's like a drown in syrup. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, we had talked about the the ridiculous ways to die. This is pretty ridiculous way to die. It's one you do not want. It's you do. I mean, what
1: is on the headstone here? I mean, there's, this is a really tough one for yeah. your your you know sort of relatives and friends and family to explain when they're being asked, without someone sort of snickering when right. you tell them the truth.
0: And I guess you get far enough uh, removed, and you can say your great 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 grandfather died in the Great Molasses Flood, and that is kind of like, well. Tell me more. That's pretty interesting, right? Well,
1: that's the thing. Where I was saying, I, I mentioned before, before we had a cutout. The uh, that's that's what that's what I lead with. with you yes. know when I, if my great 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 grandparent died in this thing, when I am you introduced tell to
0: every single person you know, right? Or me. I
1: might get a T shirt made. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be lead thing. I wanna I wanna I want to see the reaction because if you think this was cool and want to hear more, I like you. I want to know. I want to know you. You're if, someone I want to know. Right. If you're like this is weird and walk away, then it's like.
0: Well, now we know it's a we test. Know. It's a, it's a great
1: sort of new friend test. Yeah, I think that this is hysterical, in only because it was a year, one hundred and two years. Ago. Right, because it, it, if it was yesterday, it would have been traumatic and horrifying. Right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine?
0: No. Yeah. I mean, I mean people, this wasn't made global news. People lost family members, Absolutely. and you know, I mean, friends. Um, so are You know, basically, as the Boston Globe reports, buildings collapsed. I mean, completely um, were washed off their foundation. They collapsed. Trucks and streetcars were overturned. Um, It
1: sounds like... I said that it's hysterical. And I think the reason I said that not to sound like totally lame, because it doesn't sound like it really happened. Even though we're talking about it, I can't truly conceptualize. I've seen the photos. Right. It's unbelievable. I mean,
0: it's like the great Lego avalanche or something, right? I mean... Yeah, dying under an avalanche of Legos would be terrible, but it sounds utterly ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a tsunami, terrible. Yeah. An avalanche, terrible. A tsunami of molasses, like what are you talking about? Yeah, it's almost too unreal to be real. And here's, you know, it's like, so um, I don't think we got to the, I think we got to this quote and it got cut off, but Basically, from the Smithsonian it is this little here's a little like description of of what it was like. Anthony d'Estasio was walking homeward with his sisters from the Michelangelo school, was picked up by the wave and carried, tumbling on its crest, almost though he were surfing. Then he grounded and the molasses rolled him like a pebble as the wave diminished. He heard his mother call his name and couldn't answer. His throat was so clogged with a smothering goo, oh my gosh. He passed out, then reopened his eyes to find three of his four sisters staring at him, and and there was a you know uh, I had mentioned uh, like the guy sleeping in his house after the night after his his late night at the bar or whatever. Mm. He woke to his house flooding with molasses. He found his bed floating and, and got on it, kind of used it as a boat. Rescued, I believe it was his sister, but yeah. his his mother and his younger brother both died in the flood. God, um, there was the uh, the fire station uh station 31 I think it was that was pushed right off its foundation and the second story collapsed down in the first trapping a bunch of the the firefighters so this was one of the the, the first scenes of rescue was the fire station and the, the first the first uh people on the scene were 116 cadets from the nearby USS Nantucket which was like uh, some training vessel anchored mm-hmm. in the harbor um, they heard it and ran, you know, down to see what was going on. And they were, um, pulling people out and searching for survivors. Um, soon the, the Boston police showed up, the red cross showed up, the Navy also arrived, a makeshift hospital was set up in a nearby building due to the numerous injured, you know, uh, people, um, many rescuers and medical professionals worked through the night because it was just so, I mean, it's gotta be this, this was like, um, you know, like uh, a tornado ripping through town or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. like some kind of huge... It's, I mean, it's any mo- disaster. It's. Yeah. It, I mean, as as
1: strange as the catalyst is, as odd as it is to say a, a, a flood of molasses, that some, was so great that someone could ride the crest of it. Right. As though it... Yeah, were a wave. Was a wave. Yeah.
0: Like surfing.
1: Yeah, it's still ultimately... A disaster, and yeah. when a disaster happens, it really doesn't matter what the reason for the disaster was. It's a disaster.
0: It's a disaster, and and the the search for survivors went on for four days. Oh my goodness! Some of the dead were hard to recognize, so covered in molasses. Yeah, some victims. Well, and I mean, you probably you they drowned in it. You yeah. breathed it in, and it probably wasn't hard to drown in it because it was this sticky, yeah, gooey mouthful. It's, it's not like you could just cough out water, you know, or whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah clogged in there and hardening.
1: Imagine trying to like like sort of do resuscitate somebody, get the water out of their lungs or get the water out of their throat yeah, how do you get
0: the molasses out. How do you do that? I don't know. Um many rescue oh uh, so the um m- several many of the people, I'm not sure how many victims, but victims were swept into the harbor and weren't found for found for months. They just they just sort of like got caught yeah. in the tide or sucked under or a- swept out. Wow. Uh, so uh, to reiterate, twenty-one were killed, one hundred fifty injured. I guess a, a bunch of horses died too, because mm-hmm. you know horses were in use in downtown Boston at the time. Oh, and can you imagine
1: that? What that the tragedy of that? You know, you talk about debris sweeping through. You start to sweep debris under the legs of horses. And yeah, they're going down. They break a leg. They're, oh, they're for drowning sure. in molasses.
0: What a what a uh, what a disaster! And, and you know, beats the, the glue farm. Yeah, the glue factory. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm. <laughs> I, you know, I like what. What do you do with all this stuff?
1: Yeah, that's uh, always a thing. You know, when you see the um, the any any the tsunamis and things like that that have happened, and you watch those that massive amount of debris just push oh, through yeah. and everything, and that you just look at it like all of this is now useless garbage. Right. It's all just parts Where of parts of parts. It's all just toxic. It's all it's going to just get left there or swept out to sea. What do you do with this? Right yeah it's truck like truck loads of garbage being sent yeah, somewhere and well you know in, in in modern times you're gonna they're gonna they probably have to sift through what's toxic what's truly toxic right and king i'm sure it, they
0: just took it someplace and dumped yeah, it 19- now it's like some neighborhood you know yeah yeah <laughs> right? just, yeah your house your your <laughs> 1.5 million dollar boston boston brownstone is yeah that little massachusetts ski hill It's like a pile of, you know, great molasses flood debris.
1: I didn't think, I my my grandmother lived in this neighborhood. She never mentioned there being a ski hill here.
0: (laughs) So, you know, in the aftermath, so this this is kind of almost equally interesting. Um, So the the Purity Distilling Company had been purchased a couple years before this happened by the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, also known as USIAC. Almost harder than just saying yeah, it. That's right. one of those rare acronyms, acronyms that doesn't make it easier doesn't to say. Help. <laughs> um, the citizens, though, brought a class action lawsuit against the company. Something like 100 lawsuits against them. Wow. Um, but the uh, U.S. Industrial Alcohol Company tried to claim that anarchist had blown it up. Whoa. Uh, quote, evilly disposed persons. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? It Sure does. I mean, yeah. I, like people don't change. The, the, the that molasses raid at the Capitol
1: recently, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean,
0: it was obviously Antifa. I bet Antifa yeah. did this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, there had been some. Um, apparently, there had been some. This is what it said in there. There was an an Italian anarchist group that had threatened to blow it up. Really? Yeah. But so they knew it was a threat too. They knew it was a target and it was well. I obviously I don't think they really thought it was much. I, I don't know. I wonder. You know like they obviously just it sounds like they just didn't care.
1: Really a corporate Are you kidding right. me no. now? Come on, Kevin. Industrial
0: era corporations does not care. They said they cared. Really? They said they cared. They do that, don't they? The lawsuit took over 5 years. Wow. Closing arguments took 11 weeks. There were 20,000 pages of conflicting testimony, 20,000 pages of testimony. It's insane. They would just go around and give five bucks to
1: anybody who'd say what they wanted them to say. Just walking around the neighborhood going, hey, you know, the UAIOCTQ wants to see if you, you know. We'll give
0: you molasses for life. We'll give you molasses for life.
1: Oh, it looks like by the look of your floor, you've got molasses for life. We'll let you keep it. We'll let you keep it. Yeah. We're not going to charge you for that's the molasses right. that you've in got your house. in your house. <laughs> the state Otherwise, we'll send you a bill. And by right.
0: the look of it, you owe us about $300 in molasses. Right. Which in today's terms is <laughs> like $50,000. Yeah, right. Um, the state auditor, Hugh W. Ogden, oh, found that guy. USIA at fault, guilty of poor planning and a lack of oversight. All right. You there you go. Nicely you don't done. say, right? Really, <laughs> like groaning, creaking, leaking molasses on the street. On the street, right? <laughs> like just no sense of like this. This couldn't. This might might not be good. Every Plus, every time you safety. saw a, a, a like a group of dogs on the street all stopped in the same place Just licking right. the ground yeah. like over and over it was again the molasses or
1: someone out there like a grandmother scraping the ground with like a, you know with like a with like a, a batch of uh, of 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 almost completed uh, chocolate chip cookie dough they probably put a arm. little
0: cup out there a bucket underneath the drip Seriously? collect a bunch of molasses
1: yeah that's what the people. That's what the neighborhood didn't complain. They got all their molasses. All for free. molasses yeah. for free. People do anything
0: for they, molasses. Oddly, this neighborhood became known for their chocolate chip cookies. It's the it's the first times free thing. You right. Know? We're just gonna like let a little
1: drip out, so people get a taste for that's it. That's right. our, our molasses. Our molasses is the best. As Soon as they know, it's like They'll marketing. Know. Right. That was like marketing. <laughs> like, it was guerrilla marketing back in nineteen nineteen. That marketing and then plan drip a went little awry. That. For people to lap up on their way to work. It was work. a
0: marketing plan gone awry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right?
1: Oh, oh how f- luckily it doesn't happen often. That's
0: right. What the, 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 what they determined was, it was not an anarchist. It was not blown up. The steel mm-hmm. was too thin and the rivets were flawed. Engineers knew it, but the rush rush construction, you know, kind of caused them to ignore those things. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to pay six hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars in damages to the families, which resulted in uh, what, which, which you know, uh, the math came out to about seven thousand dollars a victim. Jeez, which I th- think at the time was kind of a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously it would have been a lot. Of obviously, money. it's like you still know, you couldn't give me a million dollars for my kid, but right, um, but it it was around nine million dollars in today's dollars. Okay, which is really not. I mean, so nowadays not that that's not that much, right? Yeah,
1: um, I mean, and also, it is that weird calculation of what a life is worth. You do end up in all of these situations. Right. At some point, someone has to go, eh, you know, a your uncle's life is life worth $32,000. Yeah, your, your mom's life was worth X. And it's right. just sort of like, really? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really help me. I mean, I guess in some people's cases, it, it does. Because if it's the breadwinner of the family or something to that degree, right. you're at least maybe not destitute. But for the somebody who maybe lost their their child, yeah. for instance, it's like, well, there's this isn't. Like this isn't going to help me no. in any way, and the the two grand, thank you very much, or the seven thousand, right. thank you very much is. But is that weird sort of human need to calculate life just because?
0: Yeah, I heard I, I heard negligence. Uh, another podcast about that exact same thing, and I can't remember what it was about, but it was some kind of thing where there was like a flaw, or uh, you know, maybe it was maybe it was like one of those car things, like. Uh, was it the old Corvair or something that would? Yeah, or maybe it was the pickup trucks that yeah. were exploding when they got rear-ended. But oh, yeah. somebody had to go through and determine what a human life was worth. Yeah, uh-huh. for the for the um, payout. But and it's um, especially
1: different when you're talking about. I wonder if it's different when you're talking about a, a large amount of people because right now, obviously, we're we're having. I mean, people are killed all the time, and right, right. now we're having a and we're not really having a rash of it now, but we're having a rash of sort of spotlight on you know police crime against black people, often murders,
0: um, and, and we're also having, we've just had a whole bunch of sh- mass shootings. We've just had a like whole bunch of mass shootings. three or four shootings. of them
1: in a row. So when, when the city is responsible because this police officer shot right. and killed somebody who was unarmed or certainly should not have been killed, um, it's like, you know, yeah, you might get two million bucks and that's terrible, of course, because right. you can't put a price tag on a life and, it's, and the pain resonates far beyond that person, that person's family and et cetera. But then if it's like Twenty-one people. Well, the city's not. I mean, it, it tends to sort of like diminishing amounts per person too. Right. So it's like, well, you know, it because you know your family member was killed, and they were just like by themselves.
0: You get a lot more.
1: You're going to get you know f- five five million bucks from the city of Chicago, but but you know there were like thirty of you, so you're only going to get gonna ten thousand like, each. Yeah, fifteen 20, grand 000. each yeah. or something like
0: that. Well, and uh, so you and I, there's there's a couple things. Kind of to finish this up, one is I think the true problem, the true issue here was that human beings were involved. Yeah. And, you know, that's always a a bad way to start is with people.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You mean like because human there was a human factor in trying
0: to. Humans built it. Humans maintained it or didn't. Mm -hmm. And humans ignored it.
1: Humans calculated right. the risk versus cost right. of doing it right. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. But and then finally, you asked about the cleanup, and uh, so they used salt water pumped from a ship uh-huh. and uh, um, uh, sand to mm-hmm. help absorb it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the immediate cleanup the or the cleanup of the immediate area took weeks and involved something like three hundred people, mm. um, and the the harbor was brown with molasses gonna say, for months. I was going to Into say,
1: summertime. It's it, it, it's almost a little bit surprising there's not some morbid Boston tradition to like to dye the harbor brown. Maybe right. it's a different color. <laughs> yeah. To dye the harbor
0: brown every year I like, get drunk. It's kind of like St. Patrick's Day, but instead of dyeing it green, they just, you if know. If it
1: had been any other color, we could have turned this into a holiday where right. we could get drunk. This is just
0: gross. And make cookies. <laughs> I mean, Brown Harbor, blah. big brown.
1: Hey, let's dye the harbor brown again in Boston, so we can have celebrate. You know, our weird history.
0: One of one of the reports talked about the cleanup, and they said that they had to go in everywhere. They said everything oh, yeah. in Boston was sticky.
1: Well, this is like this is like you know this is like sand at the beach.
0: It gets in everything, It's right? ev-
1: everywhere. Right. I mean, you know, two weeks later, you're, you're washing a part of yourself, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I know I've gone
0: over this before. Why yeah, is you- there sand here? You go on vacation to, like, Florida or California, yeah. and you come home to your house in Topeka, Kansas, and you take out swim trunks, like, yeah. eight months later, and sand falls out on the floor, and you're like, what, what the, the heck? heck? Yeah, and if it's like your kid, you're going to find sand for weeks right. between their toes. You still have sand in your ears. Yeah. Like, why is
1: there sand up How here? How could that possibly right. be the case?
0: So... You know that was that was um, a a pretty pretty crazy um, story, and apparently, uh, you know they they did have like a hundred year celebration and remembrance, and there's a placard about this and everything like that. So it is known, but I first read about this, I don't know, maybe two thousand and eight. So they had a hundred year in two thousand nineteen. They did. Yeah. It.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: And and I, I didn't know about that, but I had read about it years ago, and it kind of caught my eye. Was like, well, you know. Hey, this is kind of funny. Ha ha. Right. Molasses flood. Then I looked at the pictures and I was like, holy crap, this is is insane. And then, um, I bought a book called the urban guide to moonshining, which is pretty cool book. Like if you like whiskey and stuff, it's it's pretty interesting book. And it had a whole section on this, which even caught, you know, piqued my interest a little more. And then just, just the other day when I was trying to figure out what to do for this podcast, this popped into my head and I said, that's, that's the one. And, was help on the way? In a certain way, yes. I mean, obviously people came to the rescue, but this whole thing was ignored. Yes, that's
1: where help was on the way.
0: Long, right, right. Right. I mean this didn't even have to happen. Yeah.
1: This is one of those this is one of the topics this is one of the sort of the, the ways we look at help is not on the way from an abstract perspective and say, Well, help wasn't on the way long before anybody knew th- their help would be needed.
0: Right. Do you know what I mean? We we wouldn't have had to have 116 cadets in the Red Cross in the Navy, yeah, and yeah. if if somebody had done their job, yeah, and this ever. whistleblower had
1: been listened to, right. if anyone had walked, I mean, how many people walked around that thing every day? And we said, like you said, we the listening to it
0: groaning and creaking, seeing and the yeah molasses be, dripping out. It's a
1: small Boston was a small, relatively small city at this time. Somebody with some knowledge of something walked by that thing in in the years they previous talked and about it dripping being
0: in like an Italian area. oh, and I wonder if that definitely would have affected yeah. it. yeah like uh, you it, know, I mean, they were a they were a subspecies right. in America for a long
1: time. I mean, you know that's why you I mean you know the immigrate immigrant population always there's always been tiers yeah. of people who were lesser thans and for a long time the italian population if, was. if
0: if like you know i don't I don't know who would have been you know at the top of the hierarchy in uh socioeconomic status but if if the person at the top had said hey man there's a vat of molasses yeah. down the street that creaks and groans all the time and is dripping molasses people might have gone and checked it out it wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been near the the, the
1: Rockefeller of right. Boston's you know exactly. you know manner of some yeah. sort that wouldn't have happened
0: So anyway, that's that's the help is not on the way. What do you what do you got?
1: You know, when you when we talk about abstract, this is abstract too. I don't think it is as abstract. Maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't really think whether or not it was. I just felt like this is why I brought up decided to do what I'm going to do. I am going to talk about a guy named Bon Scott. You know him. Most people most people know. I'm not sure how many people will know him. A lot. A lot of people will. uh, But a lot of people won't. He, But everyone will know his band. His band was ACDC. For those who just sort of casually have heard of them and like them because they were a a big, big, big band, um, they know Brian Johnson, their singer. But Bon Scott was the previous singer. And most people who have any knowledge of music will know that Bon Scott was the singer for for ACDC before Brian Johnson. But most people will not know. They might know he died, but they may not know a lot about him and the circumstances. And I came across this story really quite a long time ago. I would say around 2010, I think, I first started, you know, coming, like reading about him and his story, which is really fascinating. I had, I have been to Fremantle, Australia, and I've seen his gravesite. So, but I never really dug into it for a long time. But the thing that really captured me about reading his story, because, you know, it's the, you know, it's late. And you and you're just lying in bed or you're just sitting there at your computer you're kind of bored and you want to take a break and look at something and, and, and a name pops in your head or a topic and you're like oh bon Scott I have I have I don't really know that much about his story and you dig into some Wikipedia stuff and a few other resources and it's incredibly fascinating how often you find something really interesting you just didn't know well <clears throat> what I found and why I kind of why I kind of categorize his story as help not being on the way is because in a way he's one of those human beings that just in a sense couldn't get, couldn't let success, life, greatness happen to him without dying in the process.
0: And and was he self-sabotaging? I mean, was it like? There was some
1: of that. Yes, he was that. But, you know, you look at, you look at how hard it is to A make any money in this life. Yeah. And certainly if you're interested in it, becoming famous.
0: Right and, and if you're a musician. And
1: becoming famous right. as a musician yeah. of some and
0: sort. And making money as a musician.
1: And you're in like Western, remote Western Australia in the sixties and seventies. Yeah.
0: Your your options are few. That's not where the uh the the, the popular rock music was coming they from. They don't that's right? not where,
1: oh, yeah. The A and R guys aren't hanging out right. at the corner there going like where's the next big thing? <laughs>
0: um
1: so I always call him the consummate loser, which I don't mean that as a true disrespect thing because he clearly was talented and and, and, uh, and everything. But the reason I call him a loser is because of the story. And this is the story. So for those who may not know this, and this is really what actually brought this to my attention, was I was looking at ACDC uh, in 2010 and they had just wrapped up their Black Ice World Tour and reading that they had sold over 5 million tickets globally between 2008 and 2010 on world tour and grossed, the tour grossed around $440 million. Wow. So you're nearing a half a billion yeah. dollars. That's huge. Gross. So, and I got to thinking, but Bon Scott didn't get any of that. Like he didn't get to take part in any of that. Not one dime probably right. went to his family. It wasn't even record sales. So, um, so this is his story and I looked into it a little bit and I think it's really fascinating. So he's born... Juan bon Scott is born in Scotland in uh, in 1946, and he had an older brother, died uh, shortly after birth, and a younger brother. And around uh, uh, six years old, his, he and his family moved to Australia, uh, to Melbourne, and eventually across the country to Fremantle, which is in Western Australia, south of Perth. Perth is the most remote capital city in the world, I believe, and Fremantle is a, is a small then, a tiny community outside of it. Now it's pretty bustling, but... Okay. He, uh, he was often in fights at school, made fun of, picked on, because he's got a Scottish accent. So people oh. kind of kick his butt all the time. And he's, he's a scrappy kid. He drops out of school at age 15 and starts taking jobs as a farmhand and a cray fisherman and things like that. Now, keep in mind, that's what, you, that's what your options are. Right. I mean, there's nothing there. Um, in 1963, he spends some time in juvenile prison for having, and I tried to get some more info on this, unlawful carnal knowledge. Which means like unlawful sex, right? But I don't know what but knowledge. What was un? Right. Well, that was the sort of the old timey, you know. But like I don't, I don't really understand what that would have been. But hey, whatever. And he stole uh, twelve gallons of gasoline, so he he went to go to he went to little juvenile prison for that. Uh, he then tried to join join the Australian Army, but was rejected, having been deemed quote socially maladjusted. So he's not. A guy with many options as you can see right um, he's but then he forms his first band in 1964 um, uh, and 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 he and he played in several other bands before before joining ACDC so on May 3rd 1974 after, he's rehearsing with his band they're called the Mount Lofty Rangers and he and he gets in a big argument with uh, the band members and he's been drinking and he's a He's a heavy drinker. Like, he's he's a heavy drinker even in rock and roll standards. This guy drinks and does damage to himself, drugs and other things. So he, he's really drunk and angry. He jumps on his motorcycle and drives off, and he crashes his motorcycle. In the accident, he got seriously injured, and he spent three days in a coma. Jeez. 18 more days in the hospital. He gets out of the hospital. I mean... This should have already be the end of this guy, right? He should be done, etc., But he's he's okay. He seems all right, I guess. He um, he starts to do odd jobs for um, a management company that he knew the guy who ran it. He used to be in a band with the guy, and the guys get this management company now. They book shows and things like that, and um, and uh, and the guy and he's just doing odd jobs. He's just trying to keep it together. So the guy who runs the management company. He hears about this band out of Sydney that's looking for a new lead singer and he recommends Bon Scott for the job. So in 1974, after all of this sort of after the motorcycle accident his recovery, he is um, in Adelaide, which is southern Australia and he's at a show of the band ACDC who are looking for the lead sing- the new singer. Apparently, they had played, I think they had played a show that night opening for a bigger band. I forget who, but, um, and they were now doing a second show, but their singer won't come on stage. They're <laughs> well, already sick of him. Yeah.
0: I mean, in true rock and roll fashion. Totally. I'm
1: not going out I'm there. I'm not going out yeah. there. 63 people in the audience. I'm F- um, too good for it. That's right. So kind of come up and s- comes quickly because Bon Scott gets up on stage and sings a song with them. you know, prodded by his friend. Vince, who 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 brought him along, and um and they and they all liked each other right away. I think it, they were doing instrumental cover songs, and he came up and did one of the songs, and and it worked out. They liked him, but they didn't hire him right away because they kind I think they kind of still had this other singer involved, and um so he starts he becomes their chauffeur.
0: Their <laughs> chauffeur,
1: which, that's you awesome. <laughs> know, I
0: think that
1: is a fancy word for what he probably was at right. the time. <laughs> He's
0: driving like a '64, you know. Chevy Nova, yeah, or something. yeah, like a
1: van that's got like the back windows blown <laughs> right. out, and he's just he's gonna gotta sit in it all day to make sure no one steals the equipment. He's probably doing that kind of thing. seventy three a Ford Econoline. Right. They hadn't even put out a record yet, so he's not yeah. he's helping out. I don't Show, know where the chauffeur thing is. It's quote chauffeur, <laughs> kind of a roadie ish guy, um, and he uh, uh, so. That's So he's crashed his motorcycle in May, almost killed himself. In August, he's seeing this band at a tiny club becomes their chauffeur. In October, they fire the singer and officially ask Bon Scott to to try out, technically, and they they hire him right away. He's 28 years old. By the way, Angus and Malcolm Young, who started ACDC, are at that point 18 and 20 years old. So he's... He's a little over the hill for yeah. these young kids who are just sparking something, right? But he's got the voice, and uh, and he's cool. He's got a driver's license. He's got a driver's license. <laughs> he's a, <laughs> Although, by his track record, he probably should not be he driving. He should probably be the last right. person driving. Exactly true. <laughs> so um, So... Just sort of in the in the in the grand scheme of speed of how things used to happen back then, it's so much faster than now. So their first LP, uh, High Voltage, is released in Australia just five months later. So you know, beginning of nineteen seventy five, their first album comes out, and um, and it's not long after that 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 their record, which is really well known, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, uh, which great record. Yeah, I mean these are both great records. Uh, come out, and um. And Dirty Deeds, after a little while, starts to reach America. Another, It took a while, but it gets over there. People pick it up, and, it's all, and he start, they start to get some international success, right? So things are starting to look pretty good for old, you know, Bond, who didn't really have many options in life. Yeah. But don't forget, he is still a serious alcoholic and drug user. And um, he actually is, uh, in 1975... He's. I mean, things are starting to work out for him, but right. he's hospitalized for a drug overdose. Oh, geez. Um, at the time, he bragged to a friend that he's got a couple of kids that that are literally, there are two women pregnant with his children right now that came to visit him in the hospital and don't know about each other. He's bragging about it. He's not, yeah, he's not, don't get me wrong. He's, you know, he wasn't high art, you know, and his, he wasn't high, you know, his, his sort of Who he was was not, you know, he came from a pretty rough background and was very, I don't know how you put it, but not cultured, let's just say. Um, And it was a very different time also. So uh, in 1979, Highway to Hell comes out, and they break into the U.S. Billboard Top 100 and eventually reach number 17, and they really just become rock stars. Um, It's really just going great. So... Things are really, really great, and when things are really great for people like Bond Scott, you gotta make something's gonna go wrong. Right. You know, something they
0: can't—they can't, they can't allow it to be great. Yeah, right. You, you gotta do something. Yeah, to change that.
1: And to his credit, he didn't really change anything about himself. He didn't like just do something ridiculous that it was out of character for him. He did something completely in character for him. He was in London in uh, in February 1980. I think that they were they were um they were working i think they had been doing some shows but they were finished up and they were working on songs for their next record but and they'd only done a couple of songs and bon scott had um been working on drums he hadn't written lyrics and he hadn't uh recorded any vocals he was doing he was drumming that was all going to come later i think he was procrastinating he was drinking he was having a great time he was living the high life of a rock star and uh and angus and malcolm were were recording so he um on february so this is early february uh, like the 13th he's in the studio with uh them with angus and 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 malcolm and on the 18th he goes to this club which is called music machine it's actually known as coco now it's changed names and i've been to this club in camden in north london and um it's a cool place um and I don't know what he was doing there. There's a show, and he's out there with some people, and he just gets... For a guy who gets wasted, he gets wasted. Oh, geez. He gets Makes beyond sense. drunk drunk. And he's with this guy named Alistair Kinnear. Uh, I guess he knew him. They were friends or something. And he, and Kinnear, at the, at the end of the night, Kinnear drives, and you can imagine, this is probably... I doubt Kinnear was sober himself. He drives back to his house in London, which is in South London. So long drive back to Kinnear's house. This is February in London, and it's noted that it was really, really cold that night, like really cold. So Kinnear, being like a solid friend, leaves him in the car to sleep it off and goes in his own house on a freezing cold. I think it dropped below freezing that
0: night in London. Good, read? good decisions all around. Right. Like yeah. good
1: people, quality
0: yeah. people, good yeah.
1: decisions. He doesn't wake him up and even carry him into the house. He leaves him in the car on a freezing cold
0: they didn't have the entourage with him.
1: Who was, you know, he needed his, his handler. Yeah. He should have had his handler with him to right. carry him into the, yeah. Uh, life, life in hindsight. So he, um, so Scott's passed out in the backseat. Uh, and he is so unconscious. He is on his back and he begins to throw up and he doesn't, it reflexively lean over, and you know, sort of what any of us would do because he's so out of his mind drunk, and he drowns in his own vomit. The classic of classic rock and roll stories. Right. I mean, I mean, even Spinal Tap makes a joke about he drowned someone drowned in someone else's vomit. I think in Spinal <laughs> Tap, <laughs> I think that's the joke there. <laughs> I think that is the joke. Yeah, I and it wasn't I, his vomit. It, it, was else's vomit, it
0: was someone else's vomit.
1: <laughs> 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 he drowned in vomit, not his.
0: And this is another one of those things that, you know, like here, here we are, we're, we're like laughing, chuckling, but it is truly tragic. Right. It's I mean, this horrifying. guy is obviously was in need of help. Seriously. And, and I, you know, this is like, this is a story we've heard so many times. And like, yeah. Who, who, you know, we just had, what, Delores yeah, recently mm-hmm. drown in her bathtub mm-hmm. while she was drunk. Oh, yeah. And it, it's just so, it's so common. And, uh, you know, I think you get to that point where you're like a star, and people just, you know, like, look at Michael Jackson. Yeah. I mean, they just don't care. It's just like, right. prop this dude up, make it so he can yeah. get on stage again Whitney tomorrow. Houston. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so many people. You can go across the board, and it's really, really tragic. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, it becomes... I mean, it's a it's a it's a mix of both. These this is the this person is the decider in the room. They're the boss. They can right. fire me any second they want to. Sure. Uh, if you are one person who's at least trying to be conscious and help, but you may not. Me may yeah. be shackled by that. Another person may just be along for the money ride. And hey, yeah. why why mess up a good thing I got going here? Yeah. And other people are just enjoying the paycheck. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really does often become about. About, you know, you're sort of listless and on your own and not many people there. You'll, but again, it, you may not be listening to people.
0: So. Oh yeah. I'm sure he wasn't. Yeah. There was probably pe- plenty of people that told him.
1: He'd had a yeah. lifetime of this, yeah. you know, and he was 33 years old, by the way. He wasn't an old man. He would just five years before been almost killed in a car accident, a motorcycle accident with no future doing odd jobs for somebody. And now he's in a successful rock band. Well, you got to blow it
0: for yourself though
1: can't and change who you
0: are sometimes. He, becoming a successful rock star did not require him to straighten himself out. Totally true. You know, yeah. so... It's almost like... Um, if anything, the
1: opposite. Yeah.
0: Right? It, it almost encourages this behavior. He's right? now got
1: enough money yeah. to do whatever
0: he wants to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And everyone wants to hang out with him because he's the life of the party. He's the guy to hang out
0: with. It's totally the opposite of those success stories that you hear about with, you know, you know, like the rags to riches kind of thing yeah. where it's like, I was living on the street, I was an alcoholic, and then next thing I knew, I was a hedge fund manager or right. whatever. Right, Those Those people had to kind of like straighten themselves out. He did not have no. to. I mean, like sucks drugs and rock and roll, man, you know, it's like, well, it's- this
1: is the, this is the part of rock and roll that if you survive, you, you, and if this is the survival part of rock and roll, this is the, this is the test. If you get through this, it's going to happen. If you get through it, you, you're going to have a pretty good life, you know, but you have to get through this test, right? You've got to come through it conscious, not dead, a conscious, not so destroyed. Your life is pretty much right. over. And conscious enough to recognize that that was that, and that needs to be in the past. And you know, and it's sadly really common that, you, that people don't get through that, and right. they don't make it through that gauntlet and get to the other side.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's there's a long list,
1: oh, which God. which
0: I think we have mentioned that it, it, that could be a whole podcast episode topic. Is pretty much you yes, know it could be help is not on the way for this long list of you know, famous musicians that are no longer right. around. And anybody for that matter. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at people throughout history, famous people throughout
1: history, or, or yeah. royalty, or things like that, where it's just like, there's nobody who can say no to you. Yeah. Because you're like, Michael Jackson's a great example. Nobody can say no to you, because there is no no. When you're worth $200 million, there's no no. Everybody works it for you. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're worth, when you're, you know, so and if you're not socially conscious, if you're not already sort of in that mindset, the damage you're doing to yourself. And it doesn't always have to be drugs and alcohol.
0: Now, when, when I was listening to this, my, my thought was, this should be a movie. And so I...
1: It's funny you say that, but I, go ahead.
0: Well, so I looked it up. Is there? There is, yeah.
1: There's one in the works.
0: Oh, no, there, there's one called Bon Scott, The Legend of ACDC. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if it's any good. It doesn't really have a review. It's from like 2000, I think it's at 14. I have a friend who's a director who
1: I've tried to bring this to. He really likes it, but there's no um, there's no headway yet. So we'll see. I mean, He's brought it's, to him several
0: times. It sounds like, an, a you know, I think there's a lot of different ways you could take this too. Yeah. Um. But it sounds like pretty interesting. I mean, I I guess you know, for a lot of people, it's like you know, probably like, oh yeah, another rock and roll star that was an alcoholic. Ooh, right. There's an interesting story. But it sounds pretty interesting, you what, know.
1: What makes it interesting is that what happened after the fact
0: and there is more to it by the way not a lot but there
1: is more to it and what's more to it is sort of like the nail in the coffin sorry to use that but right. analogy but the nail in the coffin of the this guy being not being able to get out of his own way long enough to succeed right um, and what happened which is which in large part we know because we know they became I just I started, I opened this with the you know half a billion almost a half a billion dollars in tour revenue but but the but the part that is really jaw dropping to me. Happens right after his death, or is starts right after his death. So after, so this is like this is pretty crazy. So after his death, uh, Angus and Malcolm uh, aren't sure whether to go on. They're basically like, I think we're done. Who survives the death of their lead singer? Right. We talked about this, right? Nobody does. Right. Um, very few have. Joy Division turned into new order right and uh acdc and there are a handful but that's that's kind of it
0: yeah there's not a lot
1: especially with someone with such a distinct voice right. so um his his family actually say to the band they say we, we really think he would want you to go keep going and they really did they gave them their blessing including i think his mom like wow. they were like it's we get it like you guys yeah. have made something don't blow it up because of this right and we and, and so they they began they begin considering a replacement. This is where it gets starts to get pretty wild. They call up this guy named Brian Johnson, who's an Englishman. He's been in a few bands, one band called Jordy, I think. And um and the reason they call Brian Johnson is because Bon Scott has been telling them for years that this is one of the best singers they've ever he's ever heard. Wow. And he's got this Little Richard sound, this Little Richard voice, which Bon Scott always loved and kind tried to emulate in his own way. And he's always told them, I, I was on tour with this band in the UK and I we played a couple of shows with this band called Geordie. Uh, and this guy, Brian Johnson, best singer, greatest singer, coolest guy in the world. And they're in England. They call him. They literally cold call him. And they go, hey, you want to come down and try out? Brian Johnson, who knows ACDC dc and is a huge fan, goes, "Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> just sitting at home one day." You can imagine that call. Life, I mean, life changing isn't even the word for it. It's right. you know, two words for it. But like, so he goes down and meets them, and and they like they immediately jam and hire him practically right away. Three days after they hire him, he's got a plane. To, he's a, a week. Uh, he's hired three days after they 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 after they re- rehearse him, and a week after they rehearsed him he's on a plane to the bahamas to record a record wow which is the record they'd already started with bon scott but hadn't, hadn't but he finished. hadn't worked on he oh, hadn't done okay. any lyrics or vocals that record um is named okay this is this is so the result of of the al- is the album back in black which uh whose name was inspired by the death of bon scott he hadn't written any lyrics for it Uh, and Brian, so Brian Johnson had to come in just with nothing. He had to come in just hearing these songs and writing lyrics of this new band. So this is the thing, the album, which is named after Bon Scott in honor of him, I should say, with lyrics he'd never even started to write and completed by a singer that he'd recommended, went on to be the second best selling record of all time. (laughs) It's named after him. He didn't do anything. He died five, it came out, I think, five months after he died. Um, It's certified in the US 25 times platinum <laughs> and sold worldwide over 50 million copies. And it turned his band into one of the biggest bands of all time with something like the third or fourth highest, I think it's the third or fourth highest grossing tour of all all time in 2010 eight, two, 2010 it made Brian Johnson who no no disrespect to the man but would probably you know retired dock worker now or something that I mean, you know maybe right. he'd have had some success somewhere but like um it made it he just removed himself from the equation and handed it over to somebody else now would it have been a huge success if probably not it probably wouldn't have been right. the same thing so in a way he had to get out of the way but Wrong that's, way to get out of the way,
0: right? It, yeah. That that's truly. I mean, there's there's so many uh, a tragic, you know, uh, rock star and performer deaths, but yeah. this one is is quite the <sighs> twist because, you know, he like, yeah, got a, he, he had the tragic death, but the band had this amazing success right. afterwards with yeah. somebody else in his place with somebody else yeah, yeah
1: someone standing right where he w- yeah. should have been and yeah. and yes maybe that wouldn't have been the same success but he was already bringing in money i mean his al- yeah. the albums were doing well they were record they were doing cool stuff um but it also sort of it makes you think that i mean nobody nobody doesn't know back in black by
0: Oh, no, no, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. You
1: have to know it. You'd be, if, you, in, if you're an American, you probably live in a bubble if you've not heard of this.
0: I mean, there's like, you know, three or four songs by them that you have to know, and that's definitely...
1: There's, the they're, they're like so muscle memory, you could probably yeah. recite the lyrics without even thinking about it, you know? um and And it wouldn't be if he hadn't done what he did. And yet... He did what he did, which is horrible and so sad and tragic. It's and it's he, an amazing and he, rock and it's the con, but it's the it's also the consummate rock and roll story. Yes, it is. This is the rock and roll story. It's the one. There are a few. I mean, because he 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 checks all the markers. Loser, not go anywhere. Juvenile detention coming up beat up in school a you know kid that was an outcast grows up to become you know this local little hero but then starts to fade you know he's crashed his motorcycle for Christ's sakes every he even did he that in a coma he's in a coma he starts to get success you know he, and then
0: he he ruins
1: it by dying and they go on to be massive huge, it's huge. just the yeah. it's the story to end all rock and roll stories in a way, it's probably better because otherwise you become Axl Rose and a bit of a parody of yourself, right? <laughs> yes. And you're some sort of, you're a bit of a, you've got cornrows oh, trying geez. to cover up your balding head and you're, you can't hit the notes anymore. And, uh, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, I mean, maybe Axel should have
0: <laughs> got some, yeah. gone to Cocoa and had some drinks because right. <laughs> they were pretty cool for a while. Right? Which, which outcome is more tragic <laughs> which
1: <laughs> there it is <laughs> which outcome is more tragic yeah call call in and let us know right. call no, 888-11111 drowning you think, in
0: your own puke in the back of a car becoming axel rose <laughs> you should have been
1: going out like Axl rose <laughs> We'll let you know nextly.
0: Axl Rose isn't one of the ten people who listen to this podcast. Oh right, yeah, we're gonna have a
1: down tick <laughs> right. next week. I like
0: Axl Rose.
1: Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy.
0: Cornrows are rad. Alexander is a fan. 50 of, years old of you know Guns and Roses. Who isn't a fan? You have to be a fan. I know.
1: But you don't necessarily have to agree with the. But there it is, right? Kurt Cobain. Yeah. What? If, what would he? Would he have cleaned himself up? Would he be a good looking. You know, would he look like Laird Hamilton now, and be, right. or would he be bloated and yeah. kind of gross and not write? has not written a good song in you know twenty-two years, right? Or would he? You, we don't, you know. I mean, drugs will ruin you forever if you're not.
0: It 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 is interesting. It's, it's fun to look at like um, the, the the possible outcomes. I mean, you know, yeah. there's there's Janis Joplin, yeah. There's Jimi Hendrix, but then there's then there's the people who, uh, you know, like. I don't know how many years later, you know, 30 years later, you're like, this guy's still pretty cool. You there are, are lots I mean? that are really yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or you end up being the guy who drops or woman or man who drops who gets, you know, passes on heroin, but becomes addicted to creme brulee. And now you're <laughs> right. now you're just a pasty, sweaty right. version of yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I traded it in. I'm still alive. That's I, right. could, I could I can barely walk up a staircase.
0: But <laughs> I'm still alive. I can have as much creme brulee as I want.
1: I can have all the creme brulee as I want. But I, but but then, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how the Courtney Love thing would have played out.
0: Yeah. Because she's just still a little
1: bit on the wacky side. Yeah,
0: she is a little on the wacky side. She's
1: really on the wacky
0: side. You know, that's I I, I honestly think we should have a an episode where we just go through a whole list of tragic... You know, artist. Yeah,
1: well, I think you're right, though. But we got to go tragic artist that lived, as well as tragic artist right. that died. That's right.
0: Help us not on the way <laughs> for Help you, Axel. Not on Rose. the way. Right. Help. <laughs>
1: welcome to the jungle, right? <laughs> Crembrulee. Welcome brulee. to the ju- Welcome to the jungle. Axel, Rand- Axel Rose's creme brulee brand.
0: Yes. <laughs> welcome to the jungle.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh well uh if you've never heard of acdc i recommend it if you haven't heard of early acdc which i can't imagine that being possible go listen to dirty deeds done dirt cheap and uh great album cover I, too i
0: think i think like um my son alexander would recommend highway to hell oh absolutely yeah that's the last of his,
1: that's his last record yeah, before he died that's
0: awesome yeah so good
1: All right, well, uh, this was Help Is Not On The Way. That's right. With uh, Mark Dustin and Kevin Bauman. Yep. Maybe we'll do this again. I think so.